Okay, now P-A-T, y'all know me, here with my boy, B-D-C. Good evening to the 15 nerds that listen to this podcast. We'd like to thank you for doing so. This episode's brought to you by me. Uh, you're welcome. And what's up, Cole? Um, not a whole you, lot. I told you it was coming hot. Yeah, that was pretty hot. Um... How was your weekend? I'm not even gonna comment on that. Uh, I don't. The, the Super Bowl was boring. It was. Um, the fights were all right. The fights were good. How was your weekend? Uh, Super Bowl was. I mean, it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl in Super Bowl history. So that's cool, and uh, yeah, good fight Saturday night. Let's be honest, bud. If I'm not here on a Saturday night, I'm sitting at home in the dark, crying myself. Not you, even to sleep. Why would you be crying on a random Saturday night? We'll move on. Anyway, uh, on to the fights. Uh, it was an ESPN uh, Plus card. Don't laugh. That's true, though. Mm. ESPN Plus card. We'll talk about it all fair. Uh, the ESPN Plus card on the prelims and the... Uh, First fight of the night, we had Rogerio Bontorin defeat Magomed Bibulatov. That was a split decision. It was a close fight. Um, I saw it in Bibulatov's favor, but we were in uh, Brescia. Yeah, and um, he was undefeated. He's a former World Series of Fighting flyweight champion. He was undefeated um, coming in the UFC, and I think he's lost two straight now. But, um, yeah. Bontarin, that kid's good. Yeah, it was a nice one for him. He, uh, uh, he's got some very high-level jiu-jitsu, and he stayed on, he competed on the feet against a pretty good striker. Yeah, definitely. Um, on to the next fight. Uh, Syed Nurmagomedov, uh, defeated Ricardo Ramos with a spinning back kick to the body and punches once Ramos went down, um... Killer shot. Yeah, it was, and he's obviously mostly known for his grappling, but he's uh he definitely with this performance showed that he's well rounded, and he's definitely a, a contender, a dark horse contender at bantamweight. Saeed's in a part of the close camp that goes to uh, AKA with Khabib, I assume. So he's training with really, you know, some of the best guys in the world, and like. It showed that that he was he was putting it on Ramos. Yeah, he was, and Ramos had looked good. He his last fight was a um, spinning elbow KO over uh, shoot what's his name TriStar Gems head coach Faraz Sahabi, his uh, younger brother. I can't think of his name, but Ramos knocked him out with a um, spinning elbow. Anyway, uh, next fight, Geraldo de Freitas defeated Felipe. Kularis. Uh, it was a pretty good performance by Freitas. It was kind of interesting. He would win most of the exchanges on the feet, and then anytime he would hurt Kolaris, he would uh, take him down instead of looking for any sort of a finish. But he clearly won that fight uh, all three rounds. Uh, it was what it was. Uh, another interesting fight, though, I'm, I'm going to try to say this name, Yarzinho Rosenstreak, who's a former uh, kickboxer, fought... Junior Albini uh, at heavyweight. Were you gonna say something? Big baby Albini. Uh, yeah. What country was? Uh, I was trying to remember that man. as I was saying his name. It starts with an S. African country. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. While either. we try to remember that, this was a good fight. Um, a guy with a serious grappling disadvantage. He got taken advantage of in the first round, and. I don't know what happened to Junior Albini's game plan in the second round, but he didn't stick to it, and the better striker knocked him out. I think um, Rosenstreet, he did get taken down, and he definitely did seem to have a grappling disadvantage, but he, he defended well enough to avoid any serious situations, and then he did. Did he? I don't remember if he got a takedown or a sweep, but he did end up in top position yes, at one point. Yes, was a sweep. And uh, as far as Albini, I think, you know, he was a little, uh, 
he, he was not at all reluctant to strike with Rosenstruck, even though you'd think, you know, he, he should have probably tried to exploit his advantage on the ground a little bit more. But uh, he just kind of holds his head still, and uh, it was kind of only a matter of time, I think. And Rosenstruck, when he got in the top position, laid a few punches, but then wisely stood got up. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the head kick that landed, I want to say it was... Uh, Rosenstruck threw a right hand and Albini kind of shifted and when he did he, he got hit with that head kick and uh, that was pretty nice, much the end of it. That's a nice head kick. It was. Uh, on to... That uh, is huge and uh, in the heavyweight division might have a future if he can learn some grappling. Yeah, and that's the thing about heavyweight though is that, you know, he probably just needs to get decent and... Uh, he could have a shot. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, judging by his kickboxing resume, he's a pretty good striker and it showed... Yeah, and if you think back, I mean, we'll talk about Israel Adesanya later, and this is kind of a, the only reason I'm making the comparison is because they're both former professional kickboxers moving into MMA, but if you look at his early UFC fights, he had a, the occasional problem with, with grapplers that uh, he would probably blow away today. So, uh, Rusenstruck, yeah, if he can fix a couple of holes, he's definitely going to be a guy to watch at heavyweight. But uh, on to the next fight, it was a little bit controversial, um, I would say, in terms of the decision. Rusty. Yeah, we saw uh, Tiago Alves, who was a long-time welterweight contender, former title contender, uh, and of course a bit of a legend in Brazil, facing off against Max Griffin. Griffin uh, is probably most notable for his uh, pretty decisive win over Mike Perry. Um, in my honest opinion, I feel like he, he got a, a pretty obvious win over Alves here, but the, the judges saw it differently. Uh, for my money... That was fight of the night. It was a really It was good a fight. controversial decision for sure. I think Max Griffin won it, uh, but both guys brought it, and they brought it for 15 minutes. It was a very, very good fight. If you did not see it, I would suggest when it gets up on Fight Pass to watch it. Very entertaining. Uh, yeah, I had Max Griffin winning the first and the third round. I think Alves clear won the second round. I think he won the second round. So bless you. I think um I think that considering that Alves won uh, the the second round I think was definitely scored for Alves. The third round was definitely scored for Griffin. And then the first, I do think that Alves was in the process of winning that round, but then late he got tagged. And I don't remember if he fell, but he definitely got hurt by Griffin and then the bell sounded and uh I thought personally that was enough to give it to Alves, but uh, the judges disagreed, and you know it's never, it, or I should say, it's always cool to see a, an older guy like this pick up a win against uh, more of a up and comer. Yeah, you know Max Griffin, somebody to watch out for in welterweight. He's a beast. Yeah, he's had some tough breaks, but he's also had some good performances. So, uh, like you said, somebody to watch out for. Um, on up the card, women's flyway, we had Mara Romero Barella defeat uh, the highly touted Talia Santos. Uh, Santos was 15-0 coming into this fight. Uh, Mara Romero Barella was, of course, competing for the first time since she was suspended by the Italian Athletic Commission for, I'm not exaggerating, I think it was like 30 years or something. I forget what it was for, but whatever it was for, I think it was for, she was accused of uh, trafficking drugs or something. Anyway, I guess Usada or the UFC didn't see any merit in the claims because she uh, is obviously she still competing. Here. Yeah, and she fought. And uh, it was, honestly, it was a pretty dull fight. Romero Barella won the first round just with grappling. Uh, the second round, she won really just with trying to get takedowns but not being able to get them and really just with moving forward. And then in the third round, uh, Santos probably won that round, but uh Bar Romero Barella had done enough in the first two. Uh, you have any thoughts on that one before we move on? Uh, uh great fight. Yeah, uh, you know. I don't remember much. Great fight. Yeah, I'm well, sure. Santos at fifteen and 0, or fifteen and oh. You know, this is obviously a disappointing loss for her, but uh, maybe she can get things back on track. But you just never is know. Is Santos not from Brazil? No, she is from Brazil. Okay. Yeah. But uh, you never know. With a record like 15-0 coming in the UFC, it's either, you know, she's really good or she was just somewhere where she was fighting uh, lower-level fighters. But who knows? This is just uh, one loss. And, uh, you know, the judges, one of the judges saw it for her. So close fight. Uh, this wasn't the most exciting. But, hey, it is what it is. 
Uh, on to the main fight of the preliminary card. Uh, Marcus Perez defeated Anthony Hernandez with a, a really nice anaconda choke. Really nice choke. Um, Hernandez was uh, discovered on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Picked up a quick KO win there. Uh, he started out this fight with Perez the same way, just rushing forward. But uh, Perez, I think, you know, obviously is just a little more um, seasoned than anybody that Hernandez had competed against. And uh, it showed. And uh, Perez weathered everything Hernandez threw. And he eventually... Um... Hernandez looked good in the first round. I mean, I don't think he was just throwing wild punches. He was being aggressive. Yeah. But, uh, he had his moments. He... Uh... Definitely look like the lesser experience of the fighters. Yeah, and uh, it was a sick chop. It was a really nice chop. If I remember correctly, didn't Perez hurt him with a kick to the body? Maybe I so. And Hernandez. Yeah, and I think Perez then jumped on Hernandez and took his back, and Hernandez escaped that position and, and got that up against the fence, and Perez locked an anaconda choke standing and dragged him down, I think. Yeah. It was similar to was the uh, to the Oliveira finish. Yes. Yeah. God, anyway. That finish. We'll get to that. Marcus Perez once claimed he would be a two-division champion in the UFC. He's yeah. had a couple of losses, but uh, this, I guess, is a step He's on his way. towards that direction. I'm a Marcus Perez fan. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. Claims like that, you know, pretty bold, but it is what it is. Um... One of the main card, Olivia Hanada Souza debuted against, or sorry, debuted, competed against Sarah Frota, and Frota was debuting. Um, Frota missed weight by seven pounds, which is, you know, two more pounds, she would have been um, at the maximum of the, the next weight class. You know, that was a pretty big difference. And uh, when you saw the two fighting, uh, Souza was significantly smaller than Frota, but she uh, utilized a grappling advantage and won a split decision. Um, it was a good fight for Souza, who's a former Invicta champion. Um, anything you got to say about that one? Great fight. <laughs> well, I mean, Great actually, fight. it was a good back-and-forth fight, but it's just anytime there's somebody that misses uh, weight Frodo, this much. Yeah, Frodo was much larger than Souza. Yeah, and it's just... And you hate to see it. You it hate just, to see it. Just makes, but, you know... Sosa won, so I guess uh, she might find a little bit of uh, pride in that. She was able to beat somebody that was nearly a weight class above her. But um, anyway, on to... And for what it's worth, Frodo looked like if she would have connected with some of those punches, Sosa would have been in trouble, but she just didn't. So uh, Yeah. Yeah, she was pretty slow, and you got to think that maybe some of that's due to... Missing weight. A poor weight cut or whatever. Yeah, I mean... All right, on to maybe the uh, performance of the night, at least the people's performance of the night. Um, Johnny Walker competing in the UFC for the second time, this time against former heavyweight Justin Lede. Uh, the fight, well, I'll just say, we'll talk about this fight for way longer than it actually lasted. Uh, it took Johnny Walker 15 seconds to, to spinning back kick Justin, or actually, no, 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 I think he threw a spinning back kick to the head, and Lede avoided that, but then ate the spinning back fist as Walker was spinning through. Lede went down, and then uh, Walker threw a soccer kick. Missed. Missed, and then Ooh. finished him with punches. Man. And I did see that uh, post-fight in the press conference, Walker claimed he wasn't aiming for the head, but... Um, where was he? He's got really bad aim. Yeah. That's probably it, why he's not playing soccer right He now. either sort of missed the head or he really missed the body. He, so, uh, his soccer kicks are weak if he's not aiming for the head. Yeah. Um, that kid is got everything you look for in a contender. He is massive for the weight class. And, I mean, I think he could easily put on 20 pounds of muscle and compete at heavyweight. That's what I mean by that. Uh, super explosive. I don't think a lot of light heavyweights are trying to fight Johnny Walker right now. And Justin Lede is seasoned. I mean, he's had four or five UFC fights at this point. I think he's uh, four and three in the UFC. Seven fights. 
Yeah. And I mean, he's not the toughest competition, but he's known for his striking, and he is a decent boxer. But uh, Johnny Walker toasted him. He's yeah. quick. I, uh, I I agree that Walker does have a lot of what you look for, but we really don't. You know, we've never seen him defend a takedown. We've never seen him take a punch, defend a submission, get up off the, the ground after being taken down. Um, he's just had two absolutely dominant performances. He knocked out Khalil Roundtree with a pretty cold elbow, and then he, he stopped Ledette in just 15 seconds. So, uh, you know, he's definitely got a ton of hype. He's definitely somebody to watch, but... You know, we really need to see him matched up with a, a high-level opponent. Uh, now, this young man is super Brazilian, born and partially raised in Brazil, and then at some point during his childhood, I'd assume, he moves to England? Uh, something like that. I don't know. He, 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 he's fought in England a lot, I believe. Or something like that. I can't remember now. I wish I would have uh, clarified before we... Johnny Walker 100% isn't his birth name. Now clever way to uh, appeal to the American audience. Is that the case? I mean, I don't know. What is... Probably it's, it's uh, Maybe probably I'm not. being insensitive. Maybe there are plenty of Brazilians with the last name of Walker. I don't know. It does sound like a pretty American name. It's but... a whiskey, right? Johnny yeah, it's, a, it's some sort of liquor. Some sort of alcohol. I just said liquor. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, it does. I don't know. I honestly hadn't thought about that. I just figured it was his name, but now that you mention it, maybe it was, is like an attempt to... And he's got John Jones size. A, a lot of Brazilian fighters, when they come to America, they do modify their, their names. Like, uh, I believe Damian Maia, I don't think his last name's actually Maia, but I, I, I'm not real sure. I think they, uh, you know, they'll shorten names, change them up. You know, obviously Patricio Pitbull's last name is not Pitbull, but you'll very often see it that way. So, uh, you know, it might just be... Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look that up and we'll figure that out. Anyway, as far as Ledette goes, though, uh, he might want to consider moving back to heavyweight. I think he, he doesn't really have the skills to compete at light heavyweight. At heavyweight, though, he's he's got some good boxing. He's got a little bit of speed advantage. And See, uh, on the off chance Justin Ledette hears this, he's just not elite. He would I, absolutely. I, I know. He would beat my ass. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he wouldn't. But I think we've seen a ceiling in the UFC. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I mean, he's in a division that's very shallow, and he can punch. So yeah, and I definitely think his his uh, best bet though is to move back to heavyweight and um, see what he can do there. Um, next fight though, uh, Charles Oliveira and David Tamer. Uh, David Tamer was undefeated in the UFC coming into this fight, but still relatively inexperienced overall in MMA, and he fought uh, one of the more experienced guys in the lightweight division uh, the UFC's all-time submission wins leader Charles Oliveira and Oliveira added to his uh, record with the second round anaconda choke submission win over Tamer uh, it was an interesting fight it started off uh, Tamer poked Charles Oliveira in the eye was it, yes or was it a groin shot no I think it was an eye poke and uh, Oliveira got some time to recover and then once they got back to it, Tamer poked him almost immediately. immediately yeah, after again. Freaked out. Yeah, and then uh, once Oliveira got in rhythm, though, Tamer, you know, Tamer's a really good striker, but it seems like Oliveira was so much larger that Tamer was using his usual movement. But when he would move, Oliveira would just have already stepped, you know. I think Charles Oliveira got the better of the first round where they're mostly exchanged. Yeah, I, and, then the, and then the finish came early in the second. He, uh... Hurt Tamer against the cage. Tamer turned his back to him. How uh, ridiculous is fourteen? I think thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? It's pretty ridiculous when you stop and think about. You were at the highest level of martial art competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's got thirteen submission wins. Like that's more than you know. Very few fighters have that many wins. Period in the UFC, and he's got that submission. He's a killer, man. Yeah. And that choke was something serious. And he fights good fighters. It's not like they, you know, he's just fighting scrubs. I mean... That was a vicious choke. I mean, that dude, like, dragged him to the ground and just put him out. And I, I absolutely picked David Timer, Tamer in this fight. It just, he looked so good coming to this fight, but he just, everything he brought to the table, Oliveira had an answer for, and, um... 
you know, Charles Oliveira, it's it's interesting because he he was so young when he came into the UFC. He got some opportunities early and he, he failed, you know, he couldn't he lost the Frankie Edgar fight. Like he lost some of those big fights early on. And it's almost like since then he, he's like he, he gets fights but he never gets huge opportunities anymore. But he's won four or five straight and it seems like it's about time he gets um some top competition. Uh not that Tamer wasn't, but I just mean a top ranked fighter. But um We'll see what's next for him down the road. Um, on to the third fight from the top. Damian Maya, 41 years old, returned to action against Lyman Good and uh, did what he does best. He just neutralized. Backpack on him. Yeah. Neutralized Good with, uh, with grappling against the fence and then uh, eventually took his back, like you said, basically a backpack. With and, that uh, backpack. How do you. To hold that position for. What, like a minute and a half at least. That takes so much leg strength. Like, if you think about, go back to the Matt Brown fight. He held it for two and a half rounds and yeah, actually choked right. him. You're right. It's insane, man. He's so, we saw a lot of very high-level jiu-jitsu on this card, and it really makes you appreciate. Like, I don't care who you are on the street. If you come across Damian Maya, he will take your back. And if you try to fight him, he will choke you unconscious. And there's maybe five dudes in the world that can stop him from doing that. It's, uh... What's interesting about him and the, and the fact that he is so good at doing that is, is that he, uh... For a long time, you know, when he came into the UFC, he submitted everybody. And then for a long time, people sort of criticized him for, for electing a strike rather than grapple. And, uh, you know, he lost a few fights, and then it's like he went back to what got him there. And he, you know, he had lost three straight coming into this fight, but the three losses were a, a title fight to Tyron Woodley on short notice, a fight to Kamar Usman, and a fight to Colby Covington. Uh, you know, and he got to decision with all of them. And, uh, you know, they were decisive losses, but at 41, he still remains a top 10 welterweight, and he proved that, I think, with a, uh, a quick and easy win over Lyman Good. Um, one of the co-main event of the night, uh, Jose Aldo defeated Hato Moicano with a second round TKO. Uh, I'll let you. You really got to appreciate Jose Aldo for who he is, and he's one of the best fighters to ever fight for the UFC. He is amazing, and Hato Moicano had more come. Had, this fight meant more to him. It felt like you know he's definitely. Maybe not an immediate title contention because of the main event of this card, but he's the up-and-comer. He has more to lose here, and Jose Aldo just doesn't care, and he proves that he's the second-best featherweight in the world right now, and that at one point he was by far the best. And that flurry of punches towards the end, that makes you just happy to see. Jose Aldo loves doing what he does, and he does it very well, and it's just fun to watch. Yeah, he, um, the first round was pretty slow, although, you know, neither of them really threw much of anything. In the second round, it was like somebody, you know, to use a, What uh, punch, what punch stunned Moicano? I, I can't remember what it was, I just, you know, he got, he was stunned, and then Moicano was just wobbly, and, and Aldo Jose just chased him down, stop. hit him to the face, body, and, uh, That was a good stoppage. Moicano was in total turtle mode against the cage, Jose was landing shots, Stop it. I'll say that. Yeah. No, Good yeah. fight. Well, you're right. The The first round was sluggish, but it was nice seeing Jose get a finish. Yeah, for sure. And he um, he really puts himself back in a good position. I, uh, it's always good. to he, You know, it's quite, he's only 32 years old. But um, anyway, on to the main event of the night. Marlon Marias and Rafael Asunso. Uh... This was a rematch from the fight that took place when Marlon Marais debuted in the UFC. Um, that one went to split decision. This one was a main event. It was a five-round fight, but uh, it only got about halfway through the uh, first round. Uh, Marlon Marais, uh, I don't remember. Did he drop him with a strike? I don't yes. remember how he hurt him. Yeah, anyway, Marais was hurt. Or, sorry, Sunset was hurt, and uh, Marais submitted him. He was on the cage, and... Marais locked it. Yeah. Uh, great finish 
from Rice. Uh, Get that man a title shot. I, I mean, I'm sure TJ and uh, Henry will run it back, but that guy deserves a title shot. That was an impressive finish over one of the best in that division. Yeah, it was. It's just such a muddy situation because you've got Dillashaw, of course, who lost to Cejudo. Cejudo wants to move up to Bantamweight to fight for the title, but you've got such a good contender who deserves a shot. And, you, um, you know, it wasn't like Dill- you know Dillashaw was allowed to move down, you know, and he lost. And it's like you do want to reward Henry Cejudo, but you you know there's really no reason to punish the bantamweight division. So um, you know I think that are you claiming that the two the double champ thing is kind of messy and if uh, there's four of them at the same time. I just think that it's best for the UFC and for everybody if it's you know the 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 contenders you know think about Rafael Sunsal. This is a guy who's won like eleven of twelve fights. He's never gonna get a title shot now. He's been deserving of it for a long time, but he never got it because he was just Raphael Asunso. And uh, it just, I don't know. It just seems like if you've got a good contender in a division, you should give him a title shot regardless of outside circumstances. So for that reason, I think Mariah should fight Dillashaw for the belt regardless of, say, Hudo. But um, I don't know. We'll have to see. Great card from good old Fortaleza, Brazil. Yeah. What do you know about Fortaleza, Brazil? Whew. Uh, I met this girl. Okay. She called herself Cassandra. None of this is true. Okay. On to the next one. Uh, we're just going to spend a couple of minutes going over the fights on the uh, Bellator Newcastle card. Uh, it's February 9th in the afternoon. Uh, <clears throat> on the undercard, you've got a ton of... Uh, Fights featuring local fighters, but you've also got some more notable names. Jim Wallhead's competing. Uh, Colin Freakshow Fletcher's on the card. Uh, James Mulhern and Carl Etherington's also competing. Then on the main card, you've got a ten and one Terry Brazier competing at lightweight against Chris Boongard, who is eleven and four. Then uh, middleweight, you've got Fabian Edwards at five and zero competing against Lee Chadwick at twenty four thirteen and one. So there's a big uh, experience gap there. Um, co-main event is uh, Aaron Chalmers, who I don't know the show, honestly, but uh, he was on some t- television show in England. I know he's famous for that, and now he's uh, moved on to MMA. He's had a couple of impressive performances in Bellator, and now he's got another opportunity against a 3 and one Corey Browning here. But uh, the most notable fighter of the card, you've got Patrick E. Pitbull competing against Ryan Scope, who's 10-1. and one. Um it's it's not exactly a card filled with big name fighters, but it is uh, the start of Bellator's European series. This is obviously a card you know catered to European fans, so a lot of these guys probably um, have more of an audience there. So uh, this is it for Bellator until the following weekend for February fifteenth uh, from the Mohegan Sun, Bellator two fifteen, Mitrione and Karatonov. Um, so that's an update for Bellator. Tell me something about Newcastle and England. Um, you know, see, this is something, you put me on the spot, because I probably should know stuff about Newcastle, England, but I don't. Um, I got cousin-in-laws from that area, you know? By that area, I mean like the country. Somewhere in England? It's all, like, less than the size of Texas. Most, I mean, like, a lot of countries are less than the size of Texas. That's what I'm saying. Okay, we'll stop He's talking. probably been to Newcastle, you know? Don't break anything. I'm going to go to Newcastle. One day. Have you ever been out of Louisiana? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, next thing we're going to do is uh, break down the UFC 234 card. Uh, I almost forgot what's happening this week. I would have been. Yeah, that was a last minute adjustment to the lineup, folks. I would have been devastated. This is a great card coming to you from Australia. Where in Australia? Newcastle. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think Newcastle. Um, they don't bring the town with them when they that. Never mind. It's different companies. That's the same day. You know what I mean? That's gonna be great stuff. Yeah. Uh. Well, let's break down the card before we. 
<clears throat> further reveal our lack of geography skills and understanding. Uh, starting, I guess we're back to having some fights on Fight Pass, unless the card I looked at was mislabeled. But according to the card that I read, uh, there will be three fights on the Fight Pass uh, guess, preliminary card. I guess for pay-per-views, it's Fight Pass? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm happy to know that. I thought there weren't going to be a lot of fights on Fight Pass anymore from the UFC. So if this does end up being the case, you know, it's cool. Um, anyway, the card starts off, starts off with... Honestly, don't know how to say this, but uh, Waligi Buren versus Jonathan Martinez, and you've got Jalen Turner and Kalen Potter. Kalen <clears throat> Turner, contender series guy. Yeah. And then uh, you've also got Lando Venata and Marcos Rosa, so Venata's always a fun fighter to watch, so definitely pay attention to him. Um, from there, we move on to the ESPN portion of the card. We've got Teruto Ishihara. And Where's Kyo. my bitches? I'll tell you what, lately he... Uh, Maybe, he hasn't had many bitches. Yeah, or either that, or maybe that's been his focus, and he should maybe put that. too many bitches. Yeah, he's not won a lot lately, which is uh, unfortunate for him because he is at a good camp. He's at uh, Team Alpha Male, so he should be developing. But uh, he's not. No, and he, anyway, he's got a matchup here against Kyo Hung Kang, and uh, Ishihara might be fighting for his career here, and it would be a shame to see him go because he is fairly entertaining. He is a fun fighter to watch. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Kang Hyung Uh Honestly, don't know too much about him. Um, Me yeah. On up the card, we've got Kai Kara France and Raleigh and Paiva. Uh, I know that's at flyweight. Um, then we've got Shane Young and Austin Arnett. And then uh, the main fight of the ESPN portion of the card is Devontae Smith versus Dong Hyun Ma. And uh, Dong Hyun Ma used to be Dong Hyun Kim, not the welterweight Dong Hyun Kim. This was the lightweight Dong Hyun Kim. But he changed his name to Dong Hyun Ma, which uh, I think is his last name. He switched out his last name for his nickname. So um, that's the reason for that. Anyway, uh, so that's the ESPN portion. And then you got the main card. The main card's really where things start to get interesting. We've got uh, Jimmy Crute coming back to the UFC, or I say, you know, returning to action for the UFC against Sam Alvey, who's filling in for Ryan Spann. Sad to hear Ryan Spann couldn't compete. Uh, Would have been a big fight for him. Jim Crute is a mauler. Yeah, he uh, he's looked really he he looked really good in his uh, official UFC debut, and then Sam Alvey's always going to be a tough matchup for anybody. He's uh, been around a long time, but uh, it seems like the type of fight you know, Crude's far more well rounded. Alvey has shown submission skills, but it, you know it's kind of funny. All the submission wins that I can think of that he has are you know or standing some like standing guillotine stuff like that. Um, and Crude will probably be able to pick a win up here over Alvy, but uh, you never know when Smiling Sam's involved. Um, what do you think? I'm going Crude. I uh, like Crude's a brute. I don't. I, he's he's a mean man. I love Sam Alvy. It's hard not to like the guy. Uh, he definitely has more experience than Jim Crude, and maybe he can utilize that. But I think Crude's going to be quicker on the feet and more dangerous in the grappling. Yeah. Um, on up the card, we've got Montana De La Rosa and Nadia Kasem. Montana De La Rosa was recently on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, she picked up a win on the Ultimate Fighter finale and uh, has an opportunity to further her career here. Uh, on up the card, we've got Ronnie Yaya and uh, Ricky Simon competing. Ronnie Yaya is a longtime UFC competitor. That's a good fight. Yeah, it is. It's a good uh, fight. It is. It's going to be entertaining. But um, on to really two of the more interesting fights probably that we'll see of the year. Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about these for sure. Uh, Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva. Um, I'll just start off. What do you think about that one? Great. Uh, Anderson Silva, you know, going to probably be a little bit rusty, but last time I saw Anderson Silva... In the cage, he looked good. He almost knocked out Daniel Cormier not too, too long ago. Israel's on a tear. I love Israel. You know I love Israel. I'm not going to make a pick yet. I'm going to stew over it. What do you think about this fight? I think if you look, you know, Silva did. He did catch Cormier with that knee in the stomach. Um, that was what it was. But, you know, Anderson Silva, 
I hate to say this. I just I don't really think he's gonna. I, I just I don't see how he's even gonna be remotely competitive in this fight. I don't really see why this fight was even booked outside of. I mean, it's 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 like on paper, it's a really intriguing fight. And if it was a few years back, it'd be one thing. But I just Silva's slowed down, and as good of a striker as he is, you gotta remember Adesanya was a professional kickboxer for a very very long time. So I I just don't know really where Silva's going to be able to do much of anything here. And I hope I'm wrong. Like, I really hope I'm wrong. But when I stop and think about it, I mean, he's probably not going to take Adesanya down. And on the feet, I mean, I guess he could time something right, but he's not going to be faster. I don't think he's going to be technically better. Uh, I hate to say it, but I, we might see Israel Adesanya take uh, Anderson Silva out pretty quickly in this fight. And I hope I'm wrong, but that's just what my gut tells me. Uh, I've heard rumors that they offered uh, a title shot to Silva if he wins. I guess that was his incentive for taking this fight. That he's a competitor, I know, but it's just you got to be real at some point. If Israel wins this fight, he's moving up probably three or four spots in the rankings. They are definitely very fond of Israel. I bet that if Israel Adesanya wins here. He he could potentially get the next title fight. I would agree with that. Just because I mean there are other good fighters and contenders at middleweight, but he's he's surging and you know that's this is kind of similar to what they did with Conor McGregor, in the sense that uh and and not exactly, but you know Adesanya as good as he's looked, he hasn't fought, um, and he's fought some you know Brad Tavares and Derek Bronson are both good fighters. But, uh, you know, he's fighting guys on the downside of their career, and they're, they're probably trying to get him to a title shot. And, uh, you know, this fight against Anderson Silva, it is what it is, but, um, you know, we'll talk about it next. But if he does get a title fight next, his next opponent, it's going to be a serious fight. And, um, yeah, I can just, all I can figure is, you know, this is an opportunity for him to... You're going to see two different styles. You're going to see world-class stand-up. In this fight. Now, I don't know if it'll go three rounds, but it will be entertaining. And it's two fairly different striking styles, but they're so similar in their fluidity. They, uh, they're they both not hesitant to throw anything. Anderson Silva's the GOAT, let's be honest. I am going to pick Israel here by a finish. It will be entertaining. He will be entertaining in the post-fight. It will be great. That's uh, good television. That's why you're buying this card, this, and the main event. This is a great fight. I love it. So I guess we're on the different side of the spectrum on our thoughts on this one. I definitely like this a lot more than Greg Hardy versus that guy. Alan Crowder, the victor of that fight? Yeah, Alan Crowder. I definitely I like this co-main more than Alan Crowder and Greg Hardy. I'll come across this table to defend the the, the honor of Alan Crowder. How'd that fight in? He was assaulted. <laughs> My point exactly. Well, uh, you're not going dis- to disparage. This is a great co-main event. I can't believe you're not like... I know. I, I mean, like, it's great on paper. I just, like, really, this is like, this reminds me of the Fedor... Ryan Bader fight. If you have Fedor from 10 years ago fighting Bader, it's, it's interesting. This is Anderson Silva. Yeah, he's 44 years old. I love Anderson Silva. Do you remember? I I, I, yes. I almost... Yes, I know. I nearly had to seek therapy when Chris Weidman beat him. It's not easy for it me to say this. Time. But I don't want to... You know, I also don't want to sit here and be like, oh, Silva's going to catch him. Because that, that is what it would take, I think. You know, it's... Like, Silva's not going to go in there and... Can he not do it? Oh, I'm sure he could. But, you know, Israel Adesanya... You know, his entire kickboxing career was only knocked out, I believe, one time. Like, it's not like this is a guy who's had chin issues. He's... He's just on his way up and Silva's on his way down. And generally, when fighters like that meet, you know... It doesn't go well for the older man. It's going to be a great fight. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right, too, because I think that this will be a showcase of very high, world-class striking, and it'll be great to watch. I'm afraid it ends in the first two minutes. (laughs) It's just my gut. I hope Uh, I'm wrong. Will it not be exciting if Israel puts it on? Oh, absolutely. It'll be exciting, but it'll be devastating. Just saying. 
All right, now on to the main event. <sighs> on to the main event, yeah, all right. Robert Whitaker defending his UFC middleweight championship against Kelvin Gaslam. Um, Robert Whitaker's had an interesting title run because he, he never officially won the belt. Um, he, who, there was an, he was the interim champion for um, somebody. Well, let's be serious. Since Anderson Silva lost the belt, it's been tossed around like a cheap, cheap. Let's see. We had Anderson Silva. Weidman won it. Rockhold won it. Bisping. Bisping beat. And then St. Pierre beat Saint Bisping. St. Pierre beat. Gave it up. So, yeah, I Whitaker guess. Whitaker fought Romero for, for it. The, for the interim title. That was that an a, interim title fight. And I think maybe George St. Pierre was still the champion. And then when St. Pierre vacated, Whitaker became the champion. Because Whitaker never, Whitaker never technically won the like the, the, the title. I mean, he did, but, you know, like they, it was similar to the Arlovsky situation back in the day. Like, he was interim champion, and they promoted him to champion. And then he, de- he, he defended against Yoel Romero, but Romero did not make weight. So that was not technically a title defense. So unless I'm missing something, this is Robert Whitaker's first... Official. Official title defense. Let's see what happens on uh, weigh-ins. What do you... uh... Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, we talked about guys earlier in the podcast that deserve title shots. Kevin Gaslam has been on absolute tear. Uh, Sure, the competition has been on the downside for the most part, but you look at the middleweight division and it's a lot of older guys. And I think these are two younger guys that will be in this division for a while. And I hope this is a good fight. Uh, Whitaker is the better athlete. I would be brave enough to say Gaslam's better, the better pure boxer. Boxer, I agree. But Whitaker is much more well-rounded on the feet. And neither one of them are a slouch when it comes to wrestling or the ground game. Hey, uh, so who you picking here? I'm gonna go Gaslam via knockout. I um. Third round. When I think about this one, my thing is, I'm not sure what Gaslam's gonna have that Yo what Yoel Romero didn't have in terms of he might be a better technical boxer, but he's certainly not more powerful than Romero. And he's not going to be a better grappler or wrestler. He's a good one, but he's not going to be better. But, you know, a lot of times, Whitaker's last two or three fights have been, you know, some pretty violent wars. They have. And very often, you'll see a guy go through those, and then he has, he'll have what is perceived to be an easier fight, in a way. And not saying that Gaslam's easier, but... You know, there's a certain mystique to Yoel Romero that Kelvin Gaslam just doesn't have. And, um, you know, my my case in point here would be you think of Robbie Lawler, who had the, the, the all-out wars with uh, Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, and then Tyron Woodley stopped him with one punch. And, you know, and, and that's kind of my point here. And I'm not saying that's what will happen or what I think will happen, but uh, it's hard to judge here. Whitaker has a size advantage. I do think he's going to be able to kick and... Uh, uh, overall strike better than Gaslam, but Gaslam, I do think, will have at least the advantage with his with his boxing. Um, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I think if I had to put money on it, I would probably say Gaslam be a third-round TKO. So what I think Gaslam has that Romero doesn't, and they're... In terms of stature, they're not, they're not built the same, obviously. But same they're height, short guys, thick guys. Yeah. They're short, thick guys. Different type of thick. But, Definitely different type um, of thick. Gaslam has a, a incredible ability to get inside on guys, like Bisping. He, he moved inside on Bisping quick. And that's something Yoel... He did, and he set up that fight-ending punch on Bisping very well. Very well. Bisping... Did and not see it coming. Whitaker likes space. Whitaker likes to throw kicks, rangy kicks. Whitaker likes to throw rangy punches, and if you let him get his range, he'll get comfortable and he'll pick you apart. Robert Whitaker is a great striker, but I I, I want to see what happens if Gaslam gets inside and starts hitting some dirty boxing. We'll we'll, we'll see. Whitaker's been in some wars the last few fights, and he definitely deserves that belt. I think I think he's the best middleweight. In the world right now, 
but I think this is a great test, and it's a, it's a good thing because he's a younger champion going against a younger contender. Contender, and then you got a guy on the co-main that's like you said, probably the next guy up. So this is good for the light heavyweight division. You have young guys at the top of this division right now, and I love to see it. And this will be a great fight, and you should definitely watch it. You said you think that Robert Whitaker is the best middleweight in the world. Let's talk about that for a second. Robert Whitaker or Gegard Mousasi? Damn. Okay. Let me let me backtrack. Best middleweight in the UFC. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Gegard Mousasi, Robert Whitaker would be an absolute banger. It's uh, unfortunate. Gegard... And the UFC couldn't come to terms. Good for Gegard. Go get that money. Uh, he's dominating that promotion. There's no doubt about it. I think he would give Robert Robert Whitaker a great fight, and I definitely think he'd be a top three guy at middleweight in the UFC right now. Probably be more deserving of a title shot than Kevin Gaslam right now. Outside of the, you know, Musasi debuted against um, Alexander Shlomenko in Bellator and arguably lost the decision. As, uh, aside from that, though, he's looked unbeatable lately. And um, really the same can be said for Robert Whitaker, though. I don't know. I, I wouldn't make a pick right now because it's such a hypothetical. But that is, you know, that's one of the few fights, honestly, where you could make a, you know, like a serious claim that the, the best fighter in a, a particular division is not in the UFC. You absolutely could. You know, I mean, let's let's just think about this real quick before we move on. We're totally off topic now, but that's, I guess, kind of the point of this. If we think about, you know, we'll just do Bellator in the UFC. Um, let's think at heavyweight, you know, we've got, you've got Ryan Bader, who would have to fight Daniel Cormier. It'd be a good fight. It would. You know, I'd probably go with Cormier. Same. Light heavyweight, you'd have Bader versus Jones. I'd probably go with Jones there. Bader's looked good, but it's just hard to say that, you know, a lot of people, you know, Bader's moved to Bellator and he's become the man, and a lot of people suddenly act like he's always been the man. The fact of the matter is, he was never quite the man in the UFC. He got some unfair shakes in the UFC. He did, he did. But, But, uh, yeah, for both of those divisions and the title shot for the best in the world, I'd probably go with the UFC UFC. champion. But, Ryan Bader, probably... Not even probably is a top three guy in, in both, both of those divisions. divisions. Yeah. He's a killer. Yeah. Ryan Bader's a killer. We'll definitely have that argument, yeah. Uh, middleweight, we just talked about. Welterweight, we'd have Tyron Woodley versus... Uh, and you can make a case. Yeah, well, we'd, it'd be interesting because technically right now we would have Tyron Woodley versus Rory McDonald. Now they are having the Bellator tournament and the winner of that will be the, the welterweight yes. champion. But right now it's Rory McDonald. And the two of them have already fought and McDonald shut Woodley down completely. He did. But since that fight, a lot has changed. Killing people. Now, for the most part, though, McDonald has looked good too. But I, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy come away from a loss looking worse than he came away looking from that Musasi loss. It. I mean, he went from being. I mean, it, it's. It, I look at him totally differently, and that's not fair to him because he went up a weight class. But he, he just did. got. He, he got, got so thoroughly outclassed. That it's just like, uh, what do you do? odd to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he got man Rory McDonald, I, I thought he was definitely a guy that could compete with any guy within 10, 15 pounds. I, of I did too. I was wrong. Just decimated. But, you know, still, Woodley versus McDonald. McDonald yeah, probably a toss-up as to who the better guy is. Only because McDonald's McDonald does have the win. But I would say if I, if I had to put money on it today, I'd go with Woodley. But uh, you could make the case. Yeah, lightweight's obvious. Uh, you know, obviously, Michael Chandler would, would knock Khabib out in the first round. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, ah, uh, I got Khabib first round, Michael Chandler crying <laughs> submission. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I would probably go with you there. I think uh, Khabib would win. But I do think that would be a good fight. Michael Chandler's a top... He's got some. He's got some suspect losses. He does. That's the problem. He does. He does. The Will Brooks and, losses and hurt. A bunch of that is is you know Bellator. You, you're facing some really good guys a lot of the time when you're at the top of these divisions. But sometimes they throw you these young up and coming guys who really aren't just ready for that. And Michael Chandler's definitely fell victim to like 
okay, why'd you lose to that guy? Yeah, yeah, and he's had some rough luck, but still that is what he's it is. He's world class, though, no doubt, no doubt. He yeah. could definitely compete for a top five spot in the UFC. Um, featherweight, we'd have Petrici, or Patricio Pitbull and um, Max Holloway. I Not even close, in is, my As good as Patricio Pitbull is, I just... Max Starks. I'm Max Holloway Starks arguably could beat everybody we've talked about the last... <laughs> He's Max just, Holloway's on a different He's, he's right five now. foot eleven, one forty five right now, but I mean it, there's five eleven middleweights. I mean, wouldn't that be insane if he could compete? I, I don't know, but the, Max Holloway's the the man there. Uh Bantamweight, let's see, who's Bellator's Bantamweight champion? It is um, that's, that's Ooh, here we're gonna have to make this one a trifactor. Cause uh, we've got in the UFC we've got TJ Dillashaw, in Bellator we've got Darian Caldwell, and in Ryzen we've got Kyoji Horiguchi. So, uh... Horiguchi's probably the second best there. Yeah, I would say, because he beat Caldwell about a month ago. But Caldwell is a very good fighter. Uh, but that's an interesting one. I'd probably go... Dillashaw Horiguchi would be a really good it fight. Would be a really good fight. I'd love to see that. We're but, gonna uh, have to do this for the next division down. You know that, right? For flyweight? Yeah. Let's see. It's Henry Cejudo and, uh... The Bellator flyweight champion. And... The future Ryzen... Flyweight champion? Oh, one fighting flyweight champion. One fight. Yeah, that's that's the champion. issue there. If we do fly, now that's interesting. The best flyweight in the UFC is unquestionably Henry Cejudo, but this is. I mean, is the, does does one FC have the best flyweight? That's not. Let me say this: Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson have. Well, let me say that TJ Dillashaw is the best bantamweight in the world. Bantamweight? Yes, yeah, that's I my opinion. There. But flyweight. Flyweight. Uh, Demetrius Johnson. Had a just starching of Henry Cejudo, and Henry Cejudo won a very close decision over Mighty Mouse. I'd have to go Mighty Mouse. I'd love to see it run back. Good for Mighty Mouse. Go get your paper. Uh, I'll put it on him a little bit for the lack of promotion, like just a little bit. But I'm glad he's in Ryzen making money because I don't think in the UFC. Honestly, what do you do? You win your belt back and then defend it against the same guys you've already defended against? Yeah. Well, you know, what I'd like to see, and I don't know how likely this is, and probably very unlikely, but it, it would be, as a matter of fact, it's never going to happen. The UFC would not have let him go just to do this. But it would be interesting, you know, he's probably going to run through the flyways in one fighting. And it would be cool if he could win that belt, defend it there a few times, and then maybe move over to uh, the UFC to fight Sehudo in the trilogy fight there. Um because honestly, at this point, if they never fight again, it's still hard to say that Sehudo's had a, you know, the win is what it was. But Demetrius Johnson's win was... was Joseph Benavidez, Henry Sudo, right? now. I mean, if I had, you're asking who, if yeah, I had, I, I, would, I would pick Demetrius Johnson. What if Benavidez and Sehudo fight? Who are you picking in that fight? I would still go with Sehudo. I just think he's younger. I, Benavidez is terrible. I think he's just he just missed the, the top of the wave his whole career. I think that... I he, think he deserves another shot. Oh, I do too. But I think he was always the second best. Could have beat anybody else. And now, I think that he's still the second best, but it's not the same. Like, I, I think in his prime, he beat Sehudo. But I just don't know that he's that same guy today. Maybe he is. Maybe he'll win the belt. If anybody deserves it, it's it's it's. Sayudo's done a good job of representing that division so it, far. You got re- his it. last two wins have been over Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and and TJ Dillashaw. And TJ Dillashaw. Like, it's it's impressive what the young man's done. Yeah. All right. Well, after that. <clears throat> Sidebar, that was random. I guess. But, uh, hey, I loved it. Yeah. We're going to move on. Uh, real quick, I'm going to talk about some stuff going on at MMA Torch. Uh, David McGrath has an article. Uh, it's titled Making Sense of the Matt Co- or the Conor McGregor-Habib uh, situation. And uh, it's obviously quite a, quite a cluster. So uh, if you read this, it'll help make a little more sense of it. And uh, while I'm talking about his article, I will also... Um, I hate to say this, but he is a Patriots fan. So I'll... Um, I don't know. I guess congratulate him and Tom his Tom Brady's squad. got six rings, man. Yeah. Must be nice. If he would just give Derek Carr half of one, I'd be a, a much happier man than I am today. Anyway, also on MMA Torch, uh, as always, you'll have the daily news. Today it was uh, the Monday, uh, obviously the Monday news, Monday daily news, and uh, it was coverage, um, you know, coverage and quotes of the 
UFC Fight Night 144 event and post-fight press conference. Um, there's new roundtables up, and then, of course, as always, news and opinions on all the biggest uh, news items in MMA. Um, also, while you're at it, I encourage you to check out PW Torch. It's uh, pro wrestling. Also, a lot of cool stuff there. Um, all right, we're going to move on to something that's really probably one of the more difficult things we've ever talked about on this podcast, and probably really um, at any point, um, probably ever. Uh, we're moving on to the cuts, and um, the UFC released Artem Lobov. It was at his request. Oh, man. But he's no longer on the roster. And I don't know if you've noticed, but he's calling out um, everybody that can fight. Uh-huh. He's called out... He hasn't called me out. He hasn't called you out, uh, but he has called out pr- pretty much everybody else. Um, several Muay Thai fighters. Uh, I know he called out uh, Pauly the Magic Man. Called out, uh, who else? Let's see. Amir Khan, I believe. Uh, tweeted 50 Cent, saying to bring him into Bellator. I, I don't know really what's going on. Um, I Did think anybody else get released? No, he was the only one. And he didn't get released. He requested his release, and they yeah. gave it to him. Okay. The man's going to go make billions. No. Billions. Connor who? Choo-choo, motherfuckers. That's all I gotta say. Exactly. Uh, good for Artem. Go make some money. Uh, let's be honest, he wasn't doing much in the UFC. They didn't want to give him any serious fights because they knew they would blow, that he would blow through the competition. Uh, I think 50 Cent and Artem should fight, personally. Yeah. I actually totally agree. Might be a, Great might be fight. a good fight. Great fight. Alright, we're going to move on to the rapid-fire questions before we get out of here. Uh, first up, Dylan Dennis versus Steven Seagal. Any interest in seeing that fight take place? 100%. Me too. Uh, who do you pick? Steven Seagal. Really? First-round knockout. First-round knockout. You think he knocks out Dylan Dennis? About 20 seconds. I think, the, despite the fact that uh, Steven Seagal is trained to kill, um, I, I think that uh, he's 70. Um, no disrespect to Sensei Seagal. I just think that, I think that Dylan Dennis would choke him. Maybe, maybe heel hook him. Put him in a toe hold. Um, I don't think Steven Seagal lasts more than 15 seconds. Let's move on. No, I mean. I think that's just a really unrealistic view. I well. Think. I think uh, Dennis gets cocky, tries to stand with him. Uh, you see a very brisk one Front two kick. from Seagal, knocks him out mm. cold. Yeah. I think we're more likely to see him land his uh, patented front kick, but you know, who knows? Uh, turns out there's only one last thing. Uh, Khabib. Should Khabib be stripped of his lightweight title, considering the fact that he said that uh, he will not fight past his own suspension and will not uh, come back until his teammates uh, are released from their suspension, which is pretty much a year from April. Um, You know, for a guy who talks about legacy all the time, he definitely doesn't seem like he's caring about his legacy. Uh, Your team assaulted a man after he got his ass kicked. Uh, they do not deserve to fight in America again. That was, honestly, that was such a tainted moment for me. Like, it was such a high, him winning that fight, and then it came such a low right afterwards. It's a debacle. He's lucky that that sentence was as light as it was. Fight, defend your belt, quit talking so much. So just to be clear, you're voting to ban Khabib from the country. Uh, his teammates. <laughs> I uh, I think I said earlier that they would be able to fight a year from from April. I think I'm wrong. They'll be able to fight next November. This coming November. So like, no, 
to be no. Uh, you better have a fight booked like a week after your suspension's up. Here's my thing with all this. I think his argument's going to be you let McGregor sit on the bench for two years, and that is true. But I think that that was a problem, and just because McGregor did it does not mean the UFC should let everybody do it. In fact, they should say, look what allowing him to do it did. No more logjam. I think they should let Khabib hold the belt as long as he is suspended. But once his suspension's up, if he refuses to defend the belt, I think they should strip him. But, you know, the UFC, that's when they should make an interim champion. But it remains to be seen. They generally only seem to make one. When is he clear? When's he clear? Could be? June? July? No, I think he can fight. I thought it was nine I, I months can't remember. October. So if McGregor's clear in April, so maybe Khabib's clear in November, and maybe Khabib's teammates, it might be even later than that. Khabib got nine months. Yeah. So and the teammates got a year. From October. Yeah. So that's, what, like 